When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Duck boats ready. Get the duck boats ready. After 39 long years, the cup is back home. The Bruins are 2011 Stanley Cup champions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of Bruins Beat for CLNS Radio. I'm joined with Jason, alongside Jason Buckley, as always, doing this great podcast for CLNS Radio. Uh, so it, it is the All-Star break week for every NHL team. So obviously it's the mid-season review show, as I'm going to call it, the mid-year review. We have a great show today, a lot to talk about, a lot around the NHL. Like I, As I said last week, our prospects in Providence Bruins will be looked into during this show as well. We haven't gotten to that in a little bit. Give some Bruins predictions as uh, Adam Blue, our Bruins manager, wrote a great piece about all the Bruins' takes on MVP and such. We'll discuss that. And then discuss the All-Star game, give some predictions. So we have a great show here. But usually, Jason, we talk about Bruins news. Since the Bru- there, was a lot, there wasn't that much Bruins news. It was pr- pretty much just Frank Vitrano getting sent down and David Pashnik being sent down. But I don't think the Pashnik thing should be as blown into proportion that some people are making it. I think it was just to have him play in the in the Providence game this weekend and keep him skating because he hasn't played that much this year. So I, I think Pasnick will be back as the Bruins get as the Bruins see. I actually I I think that that's not even a discussion because the way Pasternak played in Providence last night, the rest of it speaks for itself. Exactly. It was to send him they sent him down and let him have the uh, time to play. Yeah, exactly. I think the same thing too. That's why I didn't put it really on the agenda. I figured that was the only the only Bruins related news that we had, but I don't think it's a major issue. But um, so that, that's why we're going to go right into it and break down the Bruins games of this past week. I predicted the Bruins would go 2-1, and one, so I'm going to give myself a quick pat on the back because I finally got a week right. And it was an up and down, like as we've talked about on the show, roller coaster of a week for the Bruins per usual. And they started off good, Jason. They started off with a nice win on Saturday night against Columbus, even though it went into a shootout. And it was frustrating that it went into a shootout because the Bruins were up 2 nothing. They blew another 2 nothing lead. I'm just happy the Bruins got two points because the Bruins need points, every point they can get. As you can see, this if you check out the standings, the standings are very tight. All the teams are right around the Bruins, obviously besides Washington. Washington is a little bit far ahead, but everyone else is all jam-packed right in, the, right in like the log jam of like eight points or so. So I think the two points was good, and I was happy that the Bruins actually got two points because before, when the Bruins had two goal leads, they were blowing them to the point where they were losing the game and not even getting to overtime. So even though it wasn't great that the Bruins blew the lead, I'm happy they got two points. Actually, and I'm, uh, I'm going to take Mike Fowler's point of view for those first two games. 
that they played the Flyers and the Blue Jackets. And you know what? The last place team in the league, the team that's supposed to be awful, they give a two-goal lead to. And you're going to say that's a nice win. I say the Bruins got lucky. I mean, I wouldn't say it was lucky because they were up 2 nothing, And they were controlling a lot of the game. But I think you're just going to give Columbus credit. Columbus came to play. They tried. They worked hard. Their goalie played well. I mean, it's the NHL. Any team can be any team. And, yeah, I get it. They're in last place. But they still have skilled players. They still know how to play hockey. So, I mean, any there would be no reason to play the game if you're Columbus. If the, if the, if the Bruins is just supposed to beat you 5 nothing. I mean, they played hard. i got to give Columbus credit. But this just proves why the Bruins are no more than a mediocre 500 team. Teams like Washington would have crushed Columbus. I mean, yeah, you could say that. But what happens if Columbus beats a team like Washington? Are you going to say Washington stinks now too? Like, you can't you can't have it that way. I'm, Columbus, I'm sure, has beaten teams that they shouldn't have beaten this year because it's the NHL. Anything can happen on any given night. So at, even though the I wouldn't say it's a good win, I was just saying I'm happy they got two points. I'm going to say, you know, the entire week in perspective, not just the Columbus one, I'm actually just not impressed with the way that the Bruins played the entire week. Yeah, I mean, I would tend to agree. I'm not saying that they had a great week. I was just saying I was happy they got two points. And like I said before, they were blowing two-goal leads and not even getting points and going into overtime. So I'm happy they just got two points. And you get the two points, you you move on, you play the next game. That's the, That's what I was happy with. Exactly. It's just it's this what we expect the entire rest of the season. This this is what we've been getting the entire season from the Bruins. The you know the mediocrity, and you know I'm kind of getting worn out from it. I'm waiting for the Bruins to make a move and actually do something. And I'm talking about the management at this point, the organization, because this is this mediocrity of going back and forth, up and down, is getting old. This team doesn't have an identity. Now, and we'll get into that after, but that's why I said that this is, that's the biggest thing that the team's missing is an identity. Yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from there. But, um, yeah, I don't think anything's going to happen with management just yet because, I mean, it's only Don Sweeney's first year as the GM. I don't think the Bruins are going to fire Cam Neely. I think Claude Julian's safe, to be honest. I think the Bruins like Claude Julian. I don't see if the Bruins don't make the playoffs. Maybe you can hear some rumblings about Claude Julian, but I think everything for right now is safe. I think you got to look towards the trade deadline, which is just a, which is just a month away, February 29th. And that's going to be a huge, huge deciding factor of where this Bruins team goes this season. And I'm going to argue that because you said this is Cam Neely's first year. In the no, first I said few Don Sweeney's weeks. first year. Yes, that's what I meant, yeah, Don Sweeney. In the first few weeks, he traded away Dougie Hamilton and Milan Lucci. So if Don Sweeney wants to make a move, now is the time to do so while he's still young, while he's still new. Make his mistakes now. But he needs to, they need to do something. They need to find an identity, whether it's get a new coach that can coach with these players to get this team speed or get that toughness back. But they need to do something because this, this, what they're doing is very in between. It's a roller coaster, and it's not going to help the Bruins right now if this team wants to make the playoffs. Right, so... This feels very similar to the way it felt last year to me. Yeah, and it, just, it, could, it could go that way. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, still a few, two, three, two or three, excuse me, there's still three months left to go. So it's going to be interesting to see how this the rest of the season plays out. But let's get into the Bruins and Flyers quickly. Uh, the Bruins-Flyers game. The Bruins went to Philadelphia. They were up. They went. They took a lead again. And they blew the lead again. But they had a good first period. They, their power play seemed to be clicking really well. They had two power play goals. Um, Bruins, it's good to see the Bruins' power play doing well again. I think with Krejci back now, the power play, both power play units kind of have set guys that are both supposed to be on both units. So I think it's really helped out the power play. 
Patrice Bergeron scoring again. Obviously, Bergeron's been phenomenal this year for the Bruins. Brad Marchand, who also has been phenomenal this year for the Bruins, scored his team-high 20th goal. And that's I think that's really impressive for Marchand because usually Marchand has up-and-down seasons, but I think this year Brad Marchand has really played well almost every single game he's been, he's been played. He's played in, and I'm very impressed with Marchand. So, congrats to him on 20. He is 10, 10 to go to get to 30. I think it's, I think it could be doable, Jason. He's probably going to hit 30. Marchand's probably going to be the bright spot on this team that I'm going to agree with. But yet again, the point I just said was proven in this Philadelphia game. Yes, you know they're able to hang on and get two points in the end, but you're talking about a two goal lead. Where when you're talking about teams in the past years, when Bruins would get two goal leads, that game was ultimately over. And, you know, I like I said, I'm going to harp on this point today. The Bruins are a shell of what they were when they made the Cup two years well, ago. Well, obviously that they're a shell of what they are two years ago. Like, that's not – no one's debating that. But they had a lot of pieces that are missing from that team. No one's saying – no, I'm not trying to compare them to the Stanley Cup team. No, it's just it's – just, it brings in the point where it's just, the, it's just really the way that the Bruins want to be. No, I, or I, it's this, I, or it's this I, the mark that this, needs, this team needs to maybe change, and it's hard. And you know, yes, I said it a few weeks ago that I wouldn't really care if the Bruins rebuilt this team. Mike Felger made a point on Felger and Mass, I believe it was Wednesday, saying he wouldn't care if they threw Chara on the block and nailed him. At this point, because this is the way that people are beginning to think, they're tired of watching a mediocre team. No, I would totally agree that people were tired of watching a mediocre team, but. You gotta give Sweeney a year or two before you can start seeing where this team's going. And Sweeney took over a lot of bad stuff with Peter Shirelli. I think Peter Shirelli's the one that put the Bruins in the position where they are now. No, and that I agree with. I do agree with that. But you know, you want to start hearing Sweeney taking accountability to say, "Hey, you know what? We're gonna start making moves. We have things up our sleeve that we're working on." You know. Yeah, but no, we, no, G- want to hear that no, from no GM says that, Jason. No GM's they gonna. To. No, they don't. He's not gonna tell you what his moves are gonna be. He can't do. I'm not, I'm not saying about the moves. I'm not the moves in particular. Just the fact that they're planning on doing something rather than sitting in there quietly not doing anything. Well, no GM e- even says they're doing anything. Like not across the league or across any sport. No GM says like, yeah, we're gonna make a move soon. No one says that because then it like you don't want to say that and have your team be put on edge and have your team be edgy or like show other GMs your hand. So no one really says that they're gonna be have they have moves up their sleeve or anything along those lines like that. They should, though, because I think a team on edge will play a lot harder. If any of these players knew that their jobs were on the line, they might play a lot harder and might play, might play a little bit stronger. Well, I think, I think, I, I think a lot answer. of players know that anyways, where they've, they've been around the block, where they've seen Boychuk, they've seen Hamilton, they've seen Sagan, they've seen all these players get traded but from, Bruin, from the Bruins' management. Dougie Hamilton. I don't think anyone sits there and goes, well, I'm, I'm safe. So I think they all know what they're getting into when they when they play in the NHL. They know it's a business. They can be traded at any time. Which is why it's going to make it very interesting to see the way the rest of the season plays out. Yes, but uh, Brett, the uh, one thing that irked me about this Bruins-Flyers game, though, was the Flyers' second goal was clearly offsides. And it had the same thing happened to Brad Marchand a week before. And it just really bothered me because it was literally the same exact thing. And the referee said that it was inconclusive. But everyone in there, everyone in the stand, the Flyers broadcast even thought it was no goal. The Flyers bench was even shocked that it was called a goal because it was offsides. And I don't know why it was so hard for the ref to call it offsides. Like, I get it. Like, like I don't, I'm just baffled. I don't get it. It was clearly offsides. Everyone saw it was offsides. And the Flyers get 
a tie game out of it with like seven minutes to go because the referee didn't call it offsides. Yeah, but doesn't it feel like the last couple of games, even with the um, the Bruins have been playing against the refs? Yeah, it's been like I don't I don't understand. Like I don't it, the the refs seem yeah the refs maybe had like a tough week against the Bruins and that's why we're noticing it. But I don't know. I, it was just really like frustrating me that that was called a goal because it was clearly offsides and Jack and Jack and Brick were talking about uh, they were they were talking to the the Florida I mean not the Florida the Philadelphia Flyers. TV broadcast analysts, and they were laughing because they were like, I can't believe they called that a goal. Because that even the friendly broadcaster said it was offsides. Like, Rep, how do you not see it, it was offsides? You have the cameras down there. You have you have people from Toronto probably looking at every angle of this play. How do you not call that offsides? And, you know, yeah, it's a, t- it's a tough break for the Bruins on that one. Not much you can really do about it. The refs suck. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. It's just... It's just frustrating because that was supposed to be one of the main points of emphasis by the NHL this year was to get every goal right, and but clearly not because they're still getting goals wrong. But Brett Connolly uh, won it for the Bruins with just over a minute left with a, a nice tip-in goal that, that beat Flyers goalie Michael Nervith, and Bruins get another, well, the Bruins get another, well, not I shouldn't say well-deserved, but the Bruins get another two points and move on to the last game of the week before the All-Star break and now this game was at flat out. Can we just skip this game? <laughs> I, I, I wish we could, but this game was embarrassing. Anaheim Ducks were in town, and I don't care about the Bruins being on a back-to-back. I don't care the Bruins played three games in four nights. I don't care because you know why? They have a week off after this game. A week. And wait, they had a lead. Yeah, they did have a lead, but they had a week. You have a week off after this game. So I don't want to hear the excuse of, oh, we were tired. We traveled the night before from Philadelphia. I don't care. You have a week off after this. You put it all on the line, and then you rest up your body the whole week. The only player who's not getting rest is Patrice Bergeron. Even even he still hasn't skated since that last game. So clearly, I think it would be okay if you if you just showed up and played hard. But no, you you score the first goal in the first forty seconds in Zach Chapman's first of the year. Really good shot by Chapman from the point there. But you go up early, one nothing. The crowd's into it. You're playing the Ducks. You think, okay, it's gonna be a physical. And then Gustafson gets hit. I think got, that's when the game changed. What, when Gustafson got hit? What do you mean? Yep. I think that's when the game changed. I don't remember him getting hit. He got hit. That's where the fight started between, uh, that's when the fight started between Tory Krug and, uh, what's his name? Oh, Chris Stewart? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Chris, Tory Krug fought Chris Stewart, and everyone that knows Chris Stewart knows he's a big he's a big guy, and Tory Krug obviously is not a big guy. It was 542 into the game. Yep, and... Uh, yeah, you, you actually could be right from there. I think the Ducks just kind of handed it to the Bruins. They were all over the Bruins. The Bruins showed... Gustafson left up to the first period, and the team just shut down. Yeah, Gustafson left up a real soft goal, too, but to Corey Perry, right through his legs. And, and that's when he knew Gustafson wasn't himself. Yeah, and the, just just from there, a lot of embarrassing moments for the Bruins. The Anaheim Ducks just scored six goals, five on the Bruins goaltenders, two on... Gustafson, three on Rask, one empty netter. And but all, all, all this shows, and this, and you know, I'm going to hop on this because I've been on this all season, and so far I think I've been pretty close to right. The Bruins are who we thought they were. They really are. What do you mean? I don't, it, no, one's, no one thought they were anything better than they, they are right now. They that's why, that's why I'm saying they are who we thought they were. They're mediocre. They, they're not any better than what we thought they were. We thought they would be mediocre. That's what they still are. 
Yep, they're definitely they're definitely mediocre. They definitely need to have strides to get better. But as we get on later on in the show, there, there is something that that could very much pique my interest about this Bruins team, and we'll talk about it later on. And I'll tell you later on. I'm just gonna do a little tease there for for Bruins <laughs> fans, but. Yeah, this game against the Ducks is embarrassing. I even have no clue what you're teasing about, so you're teasing me too. Yeah. So, so the, yeah, this game was just absolutely embarrassing by Bruins' standpoint, and there was just no fight, no heart. They they were down four to one, and they scored the goal to make it four to two. They had a little bit of a push to try and make it four to three, but nothing crazy. The Ducks just the Ducks just played really well, and you know what? The Ducks, in my opinion, even though if you look at the standings, the Ducks aren't high up in the standings right now. The the Anaheim Ducks team. Will will be in it at, at, at towards the end of the season in the playoffs. Of course they will. Yeah, they're they're good. They they're a good good team. And anyway, a series I picked that game as a loss. The Anaheim Ducks, although they weren't in it to start the season, they're coming off of a Stanley Cup run that kind of season. They were gonna have a slow start. Yeah, they, was- they're definitely one of the top teams in the NHL. So Anaheim, that was I mean, I called it too. I knew the Bruins were gonna lose this game, but I just didn't think they were gonna lose it that badly. So that's what kind of why I'm. I'm calling it an embarrassing loss, and that's quite why I said another up and down week for the Bruins. Where one game you're like, okay, they're up two nothing on the Columbus, let's go, and then they blow the lead, and then oh, they're up two nothing against Philadelphia. Here we go, there we go. That's the Bruins team that we need to see. Boom, and then the Ducks game was just flat out embarrassing. So another roller, another roller coaster of emotions by the Bruins, per usual. I mean, we've come to expect it from this team already. I mean, we've been talking about it all year until the Bruins put, play with some consistency. That's what you're going to be hearing on the show pretty much every week is how the Bruins have a, are having a roller coaster season. Yeah, and you're just going to be hearing the same thing from me that it's just it's I'm I'm beginning to think like a fan that's just getting tired to watch the Bruins are going to lose ratings the more they play this way. Absolutely. Well, let's transition here to uh, our fellow manager and the fellow Bruins writer Adam wrote a great piece, got all of our insights on some Bruins MVPs, the surprise, the disappointment of the year. Uh, where the Bruins are going to finish, what do the Bruins need the most. And if you want to if you want to look at that, you have all five of us Bruins writers. Go to clnsradio.com. It just got posted yesterday. It's a great read. But uh, I want to discuss it with Jason a little bit because Jason and I have a little bit of different answers, which is great because it gives a little bit of a nice little debate here. But for, for, my Bruins, for my Bruins MVP halfway through the season, I picked Tuka Rask. And... I ex- I expected you to. That's why I went with a different person. Yeah, and the only reason I I put Tuukka Rask was because, the as me and Jason have said, this, the Bruins have played with such inconsistency this season, and I think the only player that's kept the Bruins in the game for the most part has been Tuukka Rask. There has been games where he has stolen points, where he stood on his head, where he's gave the Bruins a chance to even be in the game, or have that gave the Bruins a chance to win the game, and. Earlier on in this year, we were talking about how Gustafson was playing well, but I think since Tuukka Rask found his game, probably again in the beginning of November, I think he's been absolutely phenomenal. And especially with this Bruins defense, we've talked about how bad this Bruins defense is in front of them and how the Bruins need to fix their defense. I just think Tuukka Rask has been the backbone all year. I just didn't. I just there. There was an argument, obviously, for other people. For me, though, it was Tuukka Rask, and it wasn't even close. You know, I liked your point. The person I didn't, I of mine, I picked Brad Martian, but the person who I think had a really good point, and I think that she's gonna, she's really on this one, is the player who for the Bruins whose name is come consistently coming into the trade block, Louis Erickson. What a good choice by Lawrence. You know, he has been a team leader. He's one of those players that Claude Julien trusts, and I, I overall, I like that choice. 
Yeah, I, I, Louis Erickson's not, like I said, I, I've said on the show before, Louis Erickson's had a great year. He's he's probably having his best. If Louis Erickson's contract wasn't up, he would definitely be back on the Bruins next year. Absolutely, but his, you know what? His contract is up, unfortunately, so we've got to make a decision there. As we talked on the show, and as it seems to be right now, it seems to be leaning as Louis Erickson will be gone in a month and in, in a different uniform. But that's the way this. That's the way it goes. That's sometimes how it goes. Sometimes agents and, and GMs can't negotiate a contract, as we're seeing with the Tampa Bay Lightning and Steven Stamkos. We'll get, to get, we'll get to that a little bit later on. But I mean, Louis Erickson's had a good year, but I don't think he's the MVP of this team. I mean, I don't think Louis Erickson, like Louis Erickson, has. Decent amount of points, yes, absolutely. I think second on the team in points, but I don't think the, you look at Louis Erickson and say, "No, I wouldn't look at him like the MVP." Because I'd look at the difference maker being the person who brings this team energy. And yes, Tugarask has had a great season, but I think Brad Marchand gave this team energy. Absolutely, like, Brad Marchand's had a great year. Like I said, twenty goals. He's on pace for thirty. He's he's been like I said, he's been engaged mostly every game he's played in. He's always making plays around around the puck. He's always. He's always in, he's always noticeable. That's what I should say. Brad Marchand is always doing something that makes him stand out during a game, whether it's irritating thing, whether it's a goal, whether it's a an assist, whether it's just even him just getting a shot on net, a quality scoring opportunity. Brad Marchand's been excellent this season. No no arguments for me there. Brad Marchand has had a great season. Yeah, and I like Adam's point of Ryan Spooner, but I would classify Ryan Spooner as more of a surprise and. You know, Kevin Kevin went with Patrice Bergeron, which is everybody's MVP. Absolutely, Bergeron's a Bergeron's a no-brainer. You, that's why I kind of went off the rails there, and you kind of said a different person too. I think everyone knows that Patrice Bergeron's the heart and soul of the Bruins. Everyone knows Bergeron's the best player on the team. Everyone knows that. So I think I was kind of looking outside of Bergeron. So it, that's why I put two careers. But well, the question should have been, who is the Bruins MVP outside of Bergeron? I mean, no, because even if you want to say Patrice Bergeron, I don't think that's a bad answer because how could you argue that? You know what I mean? Like, you can't yeah. you can't argue that on Kevin's point that he has Bergeron, which I think is great because Bergeron is the MVP of this team. I, I just went a different direction personally and just to give, it, to give it a little bit more spark, that's all. But everyone knows what Patrice Bergeron brings to this team, and no one would ever, ever question him. So... No, and I agree with that. And so that will lead us to the second question: Who is the most surprising player? Yes, and I put Ryan. Sp- yeah. I put Ryan Spooner. This is where I, I talked about Ryan Spooner because. Now you put the most surprising player of the first half. You put. Uh, Adam oh, Clay. you're right. You're right. You're right. I, I actually I read the I heard your question the question wrong. Sorry. I did. I put Adam McQuaid and Tory Krug because, even though, the Bruins still have defensive problems, I thought Adam McQuaid and Tory Krug was the one pairing. Of, on the back end that actually played well when they were both playing. And we talked about how the Bruins don't have top four defensemen-ish. I thought Adam McQuaid and Tory Krug have really stepped up, especially when early on in the season when Chara and Seinenberg both weren't playing. McQuaid and, and Krug were playing in top two, top two minutes, and they weren't really used to playing those minutes. But I think they've held their own. I think Adam McQuaid has been the Bruins' best defenseman all season long. Besides maybe Tory Krug, but I think on like defense for a defensive purpose, I think Adam McQuaid was the best defender the Bruins had this year, and I think Tory Krug has been tremendous this year as well. So I would say Adam McQuaid and Tory Krug because they real I really wasn't expecting them to play this many minutes and do this well, and they've proved me wrong. When you think about surprises, and you have really you have about three players that come to mind. You've got Adam McQuaid because of his contract. 
Ryan Spooner, and then you have the obvious Tori Krug, which me, you, Adam, and, uh, you know, we've both, all three of us had Tori Krug's name in there. Kevin and Adam had Ryan Spooner in there, and Lauren had David Krejci, and I thought Lawrence was an interesting pick because, you know, I, I don't really consider David Krejci a surprise because it's kind of what we've come to expect from him over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely off the radar. And then Adam last night brought up Frank Petrano, and you and I both, I think, echoed the same exact point, that Petrano's still a rookie, and yes, he came in and played hard, but he was what we expected out of a player. Yes, so. that was a good point by Adam. He asked about Frank Petrano, and, and even though he came up here, he had a few games where he, he looked good. He had a few games where he scored goals, and he worked hard, but I just didn't think he had the impact that a lot of other players have. That's no knock on him. Like you said, he's still young. He's still developing. I just didn't think he was one of the guys you looked at and said, wow, like I'm really impressed with him right now. He still needs to learn the game. That's all. Learn the Bruins system a little bit more. Grooming in Providence because he's doing well in Providence again. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But that's what I, I, that's why I didn't go Frank Petrano. So I think a lot. So I think overall, a lot of good points for that second question from a lot of us, and you know, a lot of us agreed with that one. It's a hard one for a lot of us to disagree because we had the three same similar names coming up. Absolutely. I mean, no, no, nothing you can really argue there. The third one was uh, who was who who has disappointed you the most in the first half, and I saw really two names come out the most. I just don't see how you how you can't look at Brett Connolly and say that he's been the biggest disappointment for this Bruins team. By far. He's been, he was a top 10 pick in the draft. The Bruins traded two second-round picks for him last year at the deadline. Two second-rounders. which And you thought, okay, maybe he just wasn't working out in Tampa Bay. You come to Boston. You play in the top line. Everyone talks about, oh, he has a great NHL release. He has a great shot. Blah, 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 blah. Brett Connolly has been terrible. I don't care how you, what anyone says about Brett Connolly. Oh, he, like, works hard. He goes to the corners. I don't care. So there's a lot of times where you don't even know Brett Connolly's on the ice, and it's just Marchand and Bergeron playing together, and Brett Connolly just there for for the ride. Ber- Connolly plays in the arguably the best Bruins line with, with Bergeron and Marchand. He has two goals in his last 37 games, and one's an empty netter. He's like the, He just scored an empty netter the other day, and then he scored the tipping goal against Philadelphia, which, which I think is purely luck. Which isn't like and I'm gonna argue as to you know I like the Brett Connolly pick I can understand the Brett Connolly pick from that perspective but I'm gonna argue as to why it's more Kevin Miller than it is Brett Connolly even though I went off the bar and said I think Claude Julian's a disappointment but I'm echoing Mike Felger on that one the reason I would pick Kevin Miller over Brett Connolly is solely because the Don Sweeney administration did not trade for Brett Connolly. That was Peter Schroeder. That was still part of Peter Schroeder, so it was expected to be disappointing. Kevin Miller just hasn't shown up this season. Yeah, I, Kevin Miller was a great choice by, uh, I believe it was Kevin. It was Adam and, uh, yeah, it was Adam. Adam. It was just Adam? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Kevin for some reason, but no, I, I think Kevin Miller is a great... You, you, Lauren, and Kevin went with uh, Brett Connolly. I went with Claude Julian. And I, I, I think your Claude Julian point, personally, I think Claude Julian's coached this team really well. I think he's coaching with what he has. He can't do anything about the players he has. He's doing the best he can with what he's got. But anyways, I, Kevin Miller, I can, I can see why Adam said Kevin Miller. I can because I've harped on Kevin Miller and said, why is he even in the lineup? Why is he even playing? But Kevin Miller was signed for like, I think he's only making like eight hundred or $900,000. He wasn't looked at as a top pairing defenseman. He was supposed to play in the bottom six. He wasn't supposed to be up in the top four. You think about it this way, right? When the Bruins have... Chara, Seidenberg, McQuaid, and Krug all in the lineup. Kevin Miller's not supposed to be playing that much, that many minutes. He's not. 
And even though he's been bad this year, I just look at Brett Connolly as playing with the best two forwards on the Bruins team besides David Krejci. And you can't. He should play better. Yes. I didn't he's really, been invisible. I didn't, when he broke his hand when the Bruins first got him, I really didn't expect too much out of him. I just think that, well, I shouldn't say, but maybe you didn't look, expect too much out of him. I just expected a little bit more than this, where you should have plenty of opportunities to score goals. You, you don't have a goal. Like, other players have more goals than you, and you play with the best line. I don't understand. But Kevin Miller's great point. I mean, I'm not going to say that Kevin Miller has been good because everyone that's been listening to this show knows how much I hate Kevin Miller. So that's a great that's a great uh, point by Adam as well with Kevin Miller. And that's what made it interesting because, you know, I went with Claude Julien solely because of the fact that it echoed my point later on about the Bruins missing an identity. And I think that's why my pick for Claude Julien came in because I think the last two years, the Julien, as much as he's done a heck of a job coaching this year when it comes to lines and all of that, that the Bruins are still missing something. Yep, I would, I would, I would agree. I would agree. With, I would agree with you there. No arguments here. So, so it's it's mostly for that for that reason alone why I chose Claude Julien. Okay, we have a little bit of different different take on Claude Julien, but I understand where you're coming from. So I'm not gonna argue. I'm not gonna argue with you on that one. So who do you think doesn't get enough credit on this team? Oh, this is where I went with Ryan Spooner, and I put Ryan Spooner because. He's quietly has almost the third. He has mo- the most assists on the team. He has close to the second most points on the team. He was, he's close to forty points, and I don't think Spooner gets enough credit on the power play as well because everyone looks at oh Krejci and Krug on the point and Bergeron in the middle and Erickson down low like it's been phenomenal. Like you have all those players out there, but Ryan Spooner is on the half wall. He's playing the old Mark Savard role where Mark when the Bruins had Mark Savard and he when the Bruins' power play was good before with Moxivar, Spooner's playing that role. Spooner's an exceptional passer, and I think you can't just ignore Spooner on the half wall. I think he's made this power play even better. I think when Krejci went down, you you saw Ryan Spooner go right into that second line center role, and he had like a six or seven game point streak. He just, I think Ryan Spooner is showing why people in the Bruins management have been talking about Ryan Spooner for quite some time now, and how he's a skilled player. And now he's playing in a top six role. He's been playing a little bit of a wing with Bergeron and Marchand, with Krejci and Erickson. And almost every night the Bruins, every almost every game the Bruins have and score a goal, Ryan Spooner is on the score sheet. I just think he's played absolutely phenomenal this year. And I, was, I, I didn't think he was going to have this good of a season. That's why he's been my biggest surprise. Okay, when, when, when this question came up, I expected two names to come up. Ryan Spooner, Matt Bolesky. I did not choose... Either because I wanted to choose, I wanted to do something completely different from what you guys are doing. I was trying to go off on the limb, so I figured I had a tone for me being against Tuka Rask at the start of the season because I think that Tuka Rask needs to get more credit when it comes to the way he's played with this team and kept this team in the season. Because if the Bruins didn't have him, the Bruins would be far out of a playoff spot. It would be a far worse team than they are now. I think so too, and I don't think I I think Matt Bolesky gets a decent amount of credit. That's why I didn't go. Matt Bolesky, but I can see why people do that. A lot of people were like, oh, well, he doesn't have, like, all the goals. And I'm like, yes, I understand that. Like, he doesn't have all the goals, but Matt Bolesky brings it every night. You know, he's going to be in your face, like, hitting you. He's going to do whatever it takes for his team to win. So I really like Matt Bolesky. I like Matt Bolesky, but um, I think that he does – I do agree. I think that he does get the credit. You hear the media hopping on him all the time. 
about how he's in the, he's in every single play. He's playing hard every single shift. So, you know, Matt Pulaski is one of those players who I shied away from. I think that some of the people want Matt Pulaski because they, they couldn't think of another player other than Ryan Spooner. I like Matt Pulaski, though. I think he's been great for this team, so... One of my favorites for his team, well worth the contract. I can't argue that. Absolutely good. So good. Uh, that playing on playing top line minutes and bringing it every game, that's awesome. Now uh, the, our fifth question, I expected everybody to go with the same answer, so I went different. Why is the biggest thing missing on the Bruins? Everyone knows what it is. Everyone said defense. Everyone knows what it is. Everyone knows the Bruins need de- defense. Everyone knows that. We've been talking about it all year. It's just, and I would just sit back here and say, you know, yeah, sure, that's the biggest thing missing from this team. Nope, I think an identity. I think that not just defense, because de- the identity comes into the greater part of the whole. The, the major question I ask is, are the Bruins a tough team? You can't answer that question. Is this team fast? You can't completely answer that question. Say yes or no. Can these questions be answered? Probably not. So I think that this team really is missing that identity that will make them the team that will pull out of the ranks of from the Atlantic Division. Yeah, it's a good point there. I just like definitely the Bruins sometimes you say what like are they a skill team? Are they a physical team? Are they what? Like what are they? So that's a good point by you. I actually like the outside of the box thinking there. Very good answer by you. I'm not gonna argue that point. I think it's a great point that you make that sometimes you look at this Bruins team and say what are the, oh, what the, are miss, they? the, the missing the defenseman part was the most obvious thing in the world, but I don't think that, you know, as much as they're missing a defenseman, the biggest thing that need is that identity to come back. Because you know, they had an identity when they made the cup a couple years ago. They were still a tough team two years ago. They were a tough team in twenty eleven. So when you're trying to transition, this team this team's struggling to find that area where they're trying to transition. So you know they've got that half fast, half tough thing, and that's not working for them. So it's the biggest thing that they're missing is their identity. Yeah, definitely a good points by you. Very outside the box thinking there. Like I like what you you said about an identity because like, I agree. Sometimes you look at the Bruins games and this Bruins team and you say what are they like what what are they as a team? Are they a skill team? Are they a fast team? Are they a checking team? Like no one really knows what they are. Let me let me make this point because I'm gonna echo going back in the last year. At this point last year, I went to the Bruins Blackjack Blue yeah, Bruins Blue Jackets game last year. I sat close to the ice and I just watched that game when the Bruins lost. The team didn't show up. There was a home game. They didn't show up. They weren't there. And I said to myself back then, "What is this team? Who are they?" And it's January. It's the end of January now, and I'm asking myself that same question still. Who are they? You see it in a lot of these games. Again, they play the Blue Jackets on Monday, so I'm gonna harp on that point. And you, you just, you just wonder: Is this team? A sh- what, what's this team gonna have? Who is this team? And just ask myself that question because if they can figure out who they are, they'll, they'll become a lot better. Yeah, definitely. That's so I mean, that's a good point. That's a great point by you. That's really, really well thought out answer, and and I'm glad that you put that there because it gives us more to talk about besides than besides just the defenseman because everyone knows the Bruins need defense. Everyone knows that. We've been saying it all, all year on the show. Every sports caster, every writer, everyone knows the Bruins need a top four defenseman. So good good on you for doing something different because it gave us more to talk about than just the boring old Bruins need a defenseman. Everyone knows the Bruins need a defenseman. So Absolutely. So my so then we all went into the fact that what do we call for the Bruins overall grades? And I mean looking looking back on it, I kind of I kind of wish I went with a C. C plus, My, <laughs> but so you kind of grew me on that one too. Yeah, I went B minus, and out, and I'm just like disappointed in this team because me and you have talked on this show numerous times about how the Bruins would have two goal leads and they would blow a two goal lead, 
Or the Bruins would have a lead going into the third period and they would blow it. Or how the Bruins would, or how the Bruins would start out so good and then at the end of the game was sitting there going, what the hell just happened? So I gave him a B minus because I think there's been very good stretches for this team. And as you and I talked about, Jekyll and Hyde, Jekyll and Hyde, up and down, roller coaster season. Because there's been some good moments for this team, but there's also been some really bad moments. So I gave him a B minus, but if I can go back, I probably would have given him more of an average grade of like a C, C plus. You know, I, I ha- when I when I thought about the grade that I chose, which is why I'm glad Lauren kind of went C, C plus, you know, Kevin, I went with the B. I went specifically to the Jekyll and Hyde and what Jack Edwards said recently. He said, we're back on the roller coaster because this is what it is this season. It's a roller coaster. And it's very, very disappointing because you expected everybody saying it's an expectation that Bruins going to make the playoffs. They didn't make the playoffs last year. And, you know, it's awful. It's, this all seems so familiar to last year. But I can't blame Don Sweeney for it this year or last year because of the fact that the Shirley placed us on the Bruins. Yes, Shirley put the Bruins in a bad spot here. And it's and we as fans have to suffer because of the fact that they were bad management decisions. So it's it's gonna be hard it's gonna be very hard to watch this because this team will slowly deteriorate and it will eventually rebuild itself. You're just, you're, you're just watching it. Absolutely. And th- that was that was a good that was a good interesting question because like when you look when you look at it, you kinda have to assess this team and say, well, what grade do you think they deserve? You know what I mean? And I put B minus, but if I can go back, I probably would have said C, C plus. I kind of just did like in my head B minus. I was like, yeah, I'll give them a B minus because I think there's been some good moments. But I think because you're you're hope you're hopeful for a The thing with you, the difference difference between me and you is you're hopeful. I'm more waiting for the collapse. Yeah, so I guess that's probably where we're at. I'm kind of more optimistic. Where you're like. You're like it's you're gonna, ex- yeah, and you're ex- here like it's gonna happen. And you're, so already, yeah, and you're, and you're just expecting something bad to happen. But you know what? That's sometimes that happens. You know, I don't blame you, especially from last year where the Bruins didn't make the playoffs and they looked like a terrible team. So, a lot of my points come from last year. That the the similar I place a lot of my decisions based on similarities in past years. And I did a lot of studying of the hockey games. I studied the Bruins a lot back when they had Jerome McGinley. They still couldn't get past Montreal. Now, they're getting past Montreal now, but if you look at the Montreal Canadiens now as to, as to why the Bruins have gotten past them, Montreal's a shell of what they were at the start of the season. Yeah, and I th- I'm starting to think the Bruins' wins against Montreal aren't even as hyped up as me and you talked about because this Montreal team just lost back-to-back games to Columbus. They just lost almost, but I think they're like 5-20 and 20 in their last 25 games or something like that. They've no, this Montreal team has just completely collapsed, which is why the, I'm getting to think that the Bruins wins that they got really weren't that important. That's that's what exactly. I mean. I think kind of like the Bruins beat the Bruins wins against Montreal aren't as significant as we thought they were. Exactly. Montreal, Montreal, just, then, Montreal just doesn't look like a team that's any good. They, no, they don't. And you know what? Will Carey Price come back and turn that around a little bit? Sure, but we won't have, we won't we won't discuss Montreal and their playoff chances. We'll deal with that later. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, speaking of playoffs, where do you think, and we went through this again, where do you think that the Bruins will finish in the regular season? I've been saying this, and as we talked about, I'm more optimistic guy than, than you are. So I said the Bruins are going to make the playoffs, and I think they're going to be third in their division. I think they're going to either play Tampa Bay, Detroit, or Florida, one of those three teams. I think the Bruins will, will be okay and make the playoffs. I, I think that if they keep playing the way they're, I mean, keep playing the way they're playing with their roller coaster, it will hurt them. But 
I I just have I think the Bruins are too good. And I think something's gonna happen at the trade deadline where the Bruins are gonna get a significant piece. I don't know who it's gonna be. I think Louis Erickson will be gone, and I think Pashnik's gonna have a good second half of the year. I think the Bruins are gonna make the playoffs. I'm gonna agree, and you know, I I, I echoed my point. Point. I said I said that they would finish seventh because of the ability to not be able to hold on to leads. But I'm sitting back here and I'm reading Ryan, uh, not Ryan Kevin's point of view. And he said it specifically when Montreal and Tampa Bay get back and they stop struggling in Florida and with Florida and Detroit leading the pack. He doesn't think that the Bruins are going to be able to contend completely. He says they'll finish fourth, slip in, but not get a really good matchup in the first round. It's kind of, I, I kind of pretty much think I agree with Kevin on that point. Well, t- t- I agree with Kevin's, I agree with Tampa Bay. His, Tampa Bay has figured it out. They're playing really well right now. And you can see they're climbing the standings. They just passed the Bruins. And the Detroit Red Wings. Tampa Bay is second in the in the division right now. So, Tampa Bay has found their if, found their if game. Montreal by some crazy chance finds lightning in a bottle, the Bruins won't stand a chance. I think the All Star break came at the best time for Montreal. But if Mon- yeah, maybe Carey Price comes back and helps spark the team. But I just think overall that Montreal is not good. I don't think they no, have overall. Overall, you're right, but you know, Carey Price will be in a similar situation to Karaskas. Yeah, absolutely, that's a good. That's a good. That's uh, a great okay. point. That's a great point. So maybe, maybe Carey Price can come back and help spark them. Who knows? And Carey Price is a better goaltender of the two of them. No offense to Karaskas. No, that's absolutely. I totally agree. I think Carey Price is one or two for top goalies in the NHL. So no argument for me there. I absolutely love Carey Price. As a goaltender, and, and I think that this is going to come down to the last two or three days of the regular season. Yeah, it could it could could just just like last year, where it was coming down to the last week, and the Bruins didn't get in, but and the Bruins choked in the last week. Yep, so, absolutely, you know, absolutely. I'm I'm just crazy enough to say that that could happen again. Just for the record, absolutely, hundred percent could happen again. But it could come down to the last week. Absolutely, I'm not going to say that it won't because it absolutely could. And absolutely. And now we'll end our segment on our little Bruin. Yeah, if you want to read everything, we have all our explanations and everything up on the CONSradio.com website. Please go check it out. It's under the Bruins section, obviously. Great piece, great job by Adam and all our Bruins writers. We, we, do, a, we do a great job of trying to give you the best Bruins coverage we can. And you said something in this segment, Jason, that really got me like thinking. And obviously I know the Bruins need a uh, top defenseman, but... As you said, Felger brought up the, the conversation of would you trade Zidane on Chara? And I just want to get your thoughts briefly on Chara, and then I'll give mine. Didn't I just discuss this a few weeks ago? You did. <laughs> you did. Right? Then I, it's just saying, didn't I just discuss this a few weeks ago, dangling Chara's name, rebuilding this team completely because Chara doesn't have it anymore? It's absolutely the move I would make. And you know what? I'm starting to come around. And I know. I'm sorry to the Bruins fans. I feel like they're all, all about Char. You know what? This Bruins team isn't the same team. It's the biggest point I've been trying to emphasize. You know, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that. And I might go back on some of my points. I'm just more of the point that I'm accepting the fact that I'm tired of watching mediocre. I hear, I'd I, rather hear see this team, I hear you. I'd rather see this team suck and rebuild than play mediocre. And I'd, rather, I'd rather not watch games that I get to sleep through. I've been talking about it for quite some time now that I thought they should have traded Chara last year when they traded Hamilton and they traded Lucic. I thought they should have traded Chara in that offseason. They didn't. They kept him. He's not playing well this year. You know what? I would trade him, too. And I would trade him out west to a team that could use him. You're telling me that the team that was just in here that the Bruins got embarrassed by Anaheim wouldn't take Chara for their for their second pair? You'd, I'd take Chara for the second Absolutely. pair. Absolutely. 
And they brought up the point of Chicago. And I know Chicago probably won't trade for Chara, but if, if, you, if you have Chara, you have Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook as the top pairing, and you have Chara and Charmelson as your second pairing, that's that's in business. I said another cup winning team. And, you know, the it's going to come at a certain point, and I know people hate hearing this, so I emphasize it. When you have to accept, we're not going to make the playoffs, we need to rebuild this team, start selling our assets while we can. Yep. And that's all I've been trying to emphasize. You know, you got a month to the trade line. Which are you gonna sit back here and keep on playing this mediocre game? Or are you gonna be the person that makes moves first? And I hear you. Definitely the mediocre. But the one thing I will say though is, if Montreal doesn't make the playoffs, is there any team in the East in, in our division that you that you would fear the Bruins playing? Because I think the Bruins, if the if the Bruins if the playoffs started right now, and I know obviously it's only halfway through the season. The Bruins will be playing the Florida Panthers in the first round of the playoffs. Are you scared of the Florida Panthers? Because I'm not. It's not about whether or not I'm scared. It's about the fact that you're thinking, do you want to get through a first round just to lose in the first, just to lose in the second round? But or then, do you want to but then if you beat Florida, you're playing Tampa Bay or Detroit, and you really don't think the Bruins could beat either of those teams either? Bruins have struggled against Detroit in the past. No, not no recently. they haven't. The Bruins, uh, have, the Bruins have had their way with I said, Like I said, not recently. Not recently. Well, well, not. well, when have they struggled with them? The Bruins beat them in the playoff series two years ago, and since then the Bruins have been... Owning Detroit. Okay, you got me there. I won't fight that point. But I still think that if, if Tampa Bay catches Lightning in a ball, Tampa Bay is... Well, I think Tampa Bay would definitely be a tougher matchup, but the, I think the Bruins would be right there with them. The Bruins would compete with them. And I think it would go probably six or seven games, and I think the Bruins could have a chance of winning that. I, I just think in the play, if you get into the playoffs, crazy things can happen. Teams can get hot. Tuka Rask could steal games. Someone can catch Lightning in a bottle on the Bruins team and be like 0-2 score. I just think... If you get into the tournament and you play a teams in our division, I'm not worried about that. The only team I'm worried about playing is Washington, and you won't even finish face Washington until the conference finals. And what if you play Washington and Tukarask stands completely on his head? Okay, so you know that's you bring up a good point. So say we do face Washington and we don't, and we and we make it to the conference finals and we lose to Washington. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll go there. So how does this still help the Bruins for the future? It shows that the Bruins have compete. It shows that the Bruins are better than we thought they were. No, what does this tell about that? What does this tell about the assets that they have? That if they still had Char, could they? If, if they still had Char, that's again, that's getting, that's wearing down an asset that they could use to trade for the future. Because after the season, I don't think Char's really got much left. Yeah, I don't think he would have much left after the season either. But I, I, I just still think, think, I just think if, Bruins, if, if the Bruins trade Char and Lucic, just you know what, not Char, uh, Char and Erickson. I still think that the team can make the playoffs, and I still think they can catch lightning in the bottle. I don't think that by trading Chara and Erickson, you're really killing this team too much. No, I, I, would, I would agree with you there. I'm not saying that that's going to be like a deciding factor. Not, you know, like I said, I'd rather just watch this team do something, put in effort. Because if they make moves and they don't make the playoffs, then so be it. But if they make moves and make the playoffs and they catch lightning, great. But that's what, who. That, I you know, I'm kind of being optimistic here, but... If you look at the playoff structure, though, the only team I don't want the Bruins to play is Washington, especially if Montreal's out. And I think the Bruins would have a great chance in a seven-game series against Florida, against Tampa, against Detroit. Yes, but making the trades isn't going to make any kind of difference. No, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying in general. I'm just saying I, in, I in still, general. I still think that this team can make the play. It could possibly sneak into the playoffs. I, I'm not going to argue that point. So. Just think that they need to trade Char. They need to consider the fact that they need to think need to think about the future as well, and they need to try to balance it. I would definitely consider it. I've I've been talking about it. I thought they they should get rid of him. I thought his play this year has been very poor. So I would definitely 
look into it. I don't. No, I'm not saying the Bruins shouldn't look into it. Or, they're not gonna. You know, you gotta look at it like they're not gonna have Chara size forever. When Chara size is getting slower. Absolutely. So, we'll have to wait and see so. on Chara. But, um, let's start with the Bruins prospects report for a little bit. And the Bruins prospects we haven't gotten to in a little while, but the, obviously the Providence Bruins have. Been playing pretty good now, Jason. Have you have you checked in on the Providence Bruins? I know you look at the Providence. I heard they crushed. They I heard they crushed Springfield eight to one. Yeah, I heard they've been doing pretty well recently. They've uh, had a nice little hot streak. I heard Malcolm Subban's playing well down there. And this, and with this, I'm. Oh, you just brought up a great idea in the back of my head. Finally, now that we're talking trades, but we'll get into that after. I know that's what I'm saying. I think with the Providence Bruins playing well. If everyone can see, everyone can look at their prospects and look at Malcolm Subban and be like, "Ooh, here we go," and I think that just helps the Bruins find more opportunities to trade people away. That's what I look at, to be honest. That's why I'm happy the Providence Bruins are playing well. You know what? You, you, and again, like I said, you, you treat you. It all starts up front. You can still bring players up from Providence. You can still build towards the young guys. You can still grow the team. There's a lot that's going to have to happen with the Bruins team. And like I said, I like Claude Julian a lot. I just wonder. I just wonder, you know, can this Bruins team rebuild properly under Claude Julian's structure with the younger players, or are they going to have to head a different direction? And it's it's just food for thought. Yeah, definitely. But Providence Bruins are playing well. Seth Griffith, um, Kokochev, Vetrano is doing great right now. Um Fashnik had a good game last night, and eight to one—that's pretty, pretty much. Of a, that's a pretty big beating. Yeah, Springfield didn't show up. Yeah, I would say they didn't. Springfield, Springfield decided to take a nap. Definitely decided to take a nap. You, get, you put Vitrano and Pasternak together. Just, just hand hand in your sticks and say, "Fine, go ahead and score." Hey, you know who's the leading scorer in the AHL? Vitrano. No, he's been with the Bruins for quite some time now, so he's been. He hasn't really had an opportunity to, to produce a lot of points. Pasternak? It is not David Pasternak. Oh, it's Kovachev. Nope. Oh, and I give up. Seth Griffith. <laughs> Seth Griffith is leading the NHL in points right now with 42 points. 14 goals. Trade him. 32 assists. Him. You know what? I'm happy he's playing well because I want him to. Trade him. I think he should get traded. Trade him and trade Kovachev. Get rid of your prospects. You have options. Absolutely, and the Bruins have a lot of good prospects in college hockey right now. Too. They need to do it. They can't play scared. If we lose Louis Erickson for nothing, I'm going to be livid. I know. The Bruins can't I'll just... I'll call for Don said. They can't just give him up for nothing, but I think you're going to get something, at least something, but it's good to see the Bruins... I mean, the Providence Bruins playing well. It's good to see them, their prospects playing well, but as we talked about before in the show, it's time to move on from, from Kokolchev. He's doing well, but it's just time to move on from him. I don't Sorry, that one, or they're going to let him go to free agency and probably sign somewhere else if he's lucky. If he's lucky, yeah. But Providence Bruins are in fourth place in their division right now, 49 points. They have a 2015. Oh, where is this familiar? They're fourth place in, in their division? Yep. I've seen it before. Yep, they're 2015 and, and eight. And um, you know what? It's not bad, to be honest, especially with the way they started. They started off terribly. They were they were in, like, last place. They, 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 the Bruins and the Providence Bruins are the exact same thing. They're identical twins in different leagues. Yeah. So they're, they're making a push, but I'm happy they're making a push because I want to be able to trade some of those prospects, like you said. Cause you, You're going to have to. You can include Kokochev in, a, in an Erickson trade for a defenseman. You know what I mean? I think that's the route you got to go. 
Yes, and there's a lot of players out there. I'm going to be starting my research on on players that the Bruins should go after pretty soon. So I'm working towards that this week. Definitely, that would be definitely be a good thing to talk about. So the Bruins prospects, um, there are a lot of them in college hockey playing well too. Um, Ryan Donato came back from the World Juniors, is playing well. I think the, everyone knows the top guys now: Sanishin, DeBrusque, uh, Carlo, Lawson. They're all still playing tremendous. Matt Grizzlick at Boston University and JFK. Jacob. Now, I've been wondering about Matt Grizzlick because I'm waiting to see because the Bruins have not had Matt Grizzlick in that system for a couple of years right now. Yes, and, and I think I think the, what to do with him. I think they're gonna. I think he'll be in Providence after his season at BU is over, and I think that's what the Bruins are waiting for with Grizzlick. And I think once his season's over with with the Terriers, he'll be in Providence right before you know it. That's gonna make sense. So that, sure. That's my that's my guess. I mean, obviously stuff can happen, but we'll have to wait and see. But I think all the Bruins, the Bruins are, um, they have some prospects that are coming up that are playing really, really well. So it, sh- it should be an exciting time right now for Sweeney because I think if Sweeney can make this team better with the prospects we have knocking on the door, there we go. Could be in business. So you said, and it's going to take time. You know, we all knew that Sweeney was coming into a mess. So I'm not going to hold this entire the way the Bruins playing the, are playing thing on Sweeney. I can't do that. But before we head into our third segment, which we've had a great show today so far, let's talk Boston Red Sox and their podcast. Absolutely. Please check out our friends over at Red Sox Beat. Uh, they have, do a great Red Sox podcast every week, just like as we do our Bruins our Bruins podcast. Um, Jared, Lauren, and Jess do a great job bringing down the Red Sox, bringing down around the MLB. Please go give them a, a listen. Follow them at Red Sox Beat. Like them. They're all over CLNS Radio as well, just like myself and Jason are. So please give them a listen. They give everything you need to know about baseball. You'll hear on that show. And now we'll head into our third segment, and uh, we're going to talk All-Star Game. Most of this is All-Star Game, minus the fact that Dennis Wyman's more than likely getting suspended for his cheap shot on a referee. He's already suspended, don't worry. But this will be mostly about the All-Star Game. Um, John Scott is a captain, and I'm happy that he's at the All-Star Game. Did you see the story on the Players' Tribune about John Scott? Yeah, how the uh, league tried to get John Scott's kids involved. Yeah, that's embarrassing by the NHL. I mean, we talked about it last week about the NHL. Like, me and you said that John Scott shouldn't be at the All-Star Game when he first was starting to get voted, but once he made it... He got voted, he got voted in, showed some class of Yeah, and once he got voted in... Gary, Gary Batman needs to go. Once he got voted in, you and I were like, you know what? We didn't like him getting in, but he's in, so let him play. We were like, you know, let's let him play. Let us just enjoy it. Yes, exactly. And he's doing it, and the players are enjoying it with him. He's enjoying that spotlight. Exactly. Like, that's what he gets for the rest of his career. I, I think it's great that he's playing. I think I just think that the NHL is, should be ashamed of themselves. And we talked about that last week as well. The NHL was embarrassing for trying to get him out of the game. He want he, like change your rules next year, but let him play this year. The NHL just made themselves look like such idiots for doing this. What I find just as just as interesting is the yes, suspension rule if, if a player doesn't play, which is going to be Ovechkin and Taze get to deal with. Yeah, and I want to get your thoughts on that. What do you think about Ovechkin and Taze being suspended the game for not going to the All-Star game? I personally like it. I mean, if it was Bergeron, I would kind of be a little upset maybe, but like, you want your best players to play in the All-Star game. And it's 3-on-3 three three this year. It's a whole new format. It's supposed to be... A, like a, a supposed to be a great thing for the NHL to get people to watch, and Ovechkin and Taze are two of the bigger stars in the NHL. And Ovechkin says he has a lower body injury, and Jonathan Taze says he's sick. But 
It's a lie. Uh, yeah, I don't think <laughs> it's a lie. I don't think they're being honest there. So I, I, I don't think they want to play. I think they'd rather sit out of the game and relax. And it's only one game in their eyes, especially with the way that their teams are playing. You know what though? I like I like Bet I like Batman. Probably the only thing Batman's done right so far is do that rule because if you look at the NFL Pro Bowl, the players don't all seven Patriots aren't even going to the game. Like the Pro Bowl is gonna be a joke. I'm not watching that this week. That's this weekend, right? Yeah, do we, yeah, I'm not watching no, it. No, absolutely not. And I don't even yeah, watch the All Star game. Yeah, I don't even care about the stupid Pro Bowl because you know what? No one even plays in the Pro Bowl. They don't. All the best players don't even play. The Pro Bowl has changed in the last ten years. I missed it from. It was a lot better ten like, years. Like imagine ago. if the NFL did that rule where if you have to go to the Pro Bowl to spend it for a game, it would actually make all the best players go. Yep. That's what they should do. So I do. kind of like the rule. I mean, obviously it's it's it stinks for Ovechkin and Taze to be suspended a game, but I like it. And um, good job on Batman for doing that. But I want to just transition a little bit away from the All Star game, and then at the end I want to get you some get some predictions. Yeah, because we we actually well we actually used up most of our show on the entire uh, article piece, which was awesome. Absolutely, but there was a report that Steven Stamkos might test free agency. Which I think would be absolutely. That's old news. I know. That's like, free agency. You're telling me something we talked about exactly, months ago. Exactly. But you know what? I think Stan Coast has a free agency. I think that's probably the biggest name that can hit free agency in quite some time because usually teams don't let their players get the free agency. Like like the Kings just locked up uh, Kopitar. I speculate the Stan Coast thing after the uh, trade deadline. As far as I'm concerned, they're just doing anything they can to get in the spotlight because they want, their, they want the. Uh, Lightning, the Tampa Bay Lightning to Blanche and make a move. I just think Stan Coast having free agency would be massive, absolutely massive. But yeah, we have huge. we have two other suspensions that obviously were just dumb on the players' part. The first one, I, I want to get to Weidman in a second, but I want to just say Sean Horkoff spent twenty games for PED use and what a what a moron! Like you're, you're why are you taking PEDs, you idiot? And he goes, oh, I took a substance I didn't know was banned. So why don't you call? That's what they all say. So why don't you call the NHL and ask them if this substance is banned? Oh, because you knew it was banned, you moron. You just didn't want to get yeah. caught. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then you got the deadline coming up, and everybody's watching Winnipeg because of Dustin Bufflin. Absolutely, Dennis. A popular name in the league and, right now. And Andrew Ladd, their forward, who's also going to be a free agent after this year. I want on the Bruins. I want Bufflin on the Bruins. That's the trade that would and make I, I think. I think I would trade Chara and Erickson for Bufflin. And I think Winnipeg's the team to look at, to keep an eye on. I think if Winnipeg starts starts dangling some pe- – I mean, they have been dangling pieces out there, but interesting to see what happens in Winnipeg. I think the shoe – What I would do – I would trade Chara and Erickson for Bufflin and Ladd plus a first-round pick. Well, I would get rid of one of Boston's first-round picks for that for those two players. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. So we'll keep an eye on Winnipeg. I think the shoe once the shoe falls off on the, these trades, I think Winnipeg's going to be right in the middle of it. So keep your tabs on them. Uh, quickly, uh, Barkov re-signs with the Florida Panthers. I think Barkov has been great for the Panthers. Great young, great, great young, great young player. player. And you know what? I'm glad. You see what the Florida Panthers are really building over there. And you know what? Yami Yager's playing like a child. I'm happy. No, I'm happy. It's awesome to see. I'm happy Barkov resigned there too because usually Florida isn't like a market hockey market per se for like the cold weather and rabid fans. But good for Florida. They have something building down there, like just like you said. So good on Florida because I think you want more teams to be able to compete, and I think Florida being a, one of those teams is awesome. Yes, and it's gonna be fun. To, and it's gonna be fun to see what's fun to see what Florida yeah, is actually. Yeah, and then before we do our all-star predictions, I want to get into Dennis Wyman. 
And this, Wyman was suspended indefinitely. <clears throat> He'll have a hearing next week. And Dennis, Dennis Wyman, he's not known as a dirty player, but, man, he lost his head on this one. There was, I think he did this on purpose. He absolutely put his hands up and cross-checked the referee from behind. And I don't care what excuse he uses. I don't care if he says he's not a dirty player because I know he's not a dirty player. I don't care. If he uses the excuses, I was the excuse I was concussed, which is the one I've been hearing go wrong lately. But he played his next shift, so that's a lie. I just he hit the referee. He got frustrated. He had a poor, he had a bad lack of judgment. And you know what? You're gonna pay the consequences. I'm sorry. You can't hit an official. It's your fault. Not not sorry, Wyman. I don't feel bad for you. Nope, and I agree with that completely. So completely. I just. I mean, I just don't think that you can't touch a, an official, even though sometimes you absolutely hate officials when they make bad calls. You yell at them. People, people say the referees suck or they're a joke, but you can't, you can't hit one. I mean, no, you, can't. you have to have respect no, for the game can't. enough to not hit one. And even if you didn't do it on purpose, I don't care. Wyman, sorry, go. You're suspended. So, what do you think's going to happen for this All-Star game? I think the Central Division is going to win. The Western Central Division. I think they're just too loaded, top to bottom. They have Patrick Kane. They have... You don't need to say anymore because I was going to go with the same thing. Patrick Kane, Tarasenko, Matt Duchesne. They're <laughs> absolutely loaded. They got nothing but skill. I just, and then they're playing against John Scott. I mean, do you think, you think John Scott's going to be able to catch Pat Kane and Tyler, nope. and Tyler Sagan in a 3-on-3 format? Absolutely not. These guys fly around the ice. And in the Eastern Conference, I think the Metropolitan's going to beat the Atlantic, I think, with Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Malkin, John Tavares. I think they have more firepower than the, than the. I love, and I think not in, just for the lack of because I think you can choose the Pacific Division to win it all. Uh, Central Division, I mean, I might take the Metro, the Metropolitan Division. You take the Metropolitan Division. I think those two will be in the finals, and I think from there it should be a good finals. But I just think the Central Division is just too too. That's stacked. It's too yeah, too stacked. So now let's just go to our predictions from next week because we've got two games next week, two games that should be winnable. The, the Bruins should win both of these games. I really can't see the Bruins losing these one of these two games. But as you as we've said on the show, it's a roller coaster ride with the Bruins. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went one and one. But the Bruins should go two and zero this week. I'm gonna go one and one. Of course you are, because that's what you do, Jason. You you push the buttons on people. Yes, I do. So the smile on my face. Yep, you you had to push the buttons and get the people riled up. So. That's what you're going to do. You're going to say 1-1. One one. I'm going to say 2-0. and But Toronto and Buffalo this week. I hope 2-0. I, I hope they can hold a two-goal lead, too. Yeah, we hope. One can hope. So, I think the Bruins get some nice, well-deserved rest. Then because they have some they have some tough games coming up as the season goes on. So, I think these two games are crucial for the Bruins. they got to play Chicago a couple of times. This, this, the rest of the season is going to be not so easy for them. No, they got to play Chicago twice. they got to go out west to... L.A., Anaheim, and San Jose. They still have – they have another five-game road trip, I believe, in the middle of that. So it's going to be tough on the Bruins. So I think the, these two games are crucial for the Bruins to start the start on the right foot. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be for an interesting week, and it's going to be a fun week to watch for sure. Absolutely. So that will conclude our week of the Bruins of Bruins podcast. Don't forget to follow myself or Jason on Twitter, at JasonBuckley91, at MikeSider22. Don't forget, all Bruins news will be on clnsradio.com and the Bruins section. We have we do a great job of providing you with all Bruins news and information. Please like us on, on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Bruins underscore beat. Um, we uh, also have the iTunes app, right, Jason? 
Yeah, so you can find us on the iTunes app at Boston Bruins Beat Podcast. Or you can find us at the CLNS Radio app on iTunes as well. Or the App Store, I should say. Absolutely. Please check us out. Give us some reviews. Rate us. Whatever you want to do. Even if you hate us, tell us you hate us and tell us why. Because we'll, we'll, we'll try and improve for you. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if someone says they hate Jason because he always has to, has to say he hates the Bruins. Hey, you know what? I like Mike Felger here, so it's okay. I'm used to be, I, I like me. I want to be hated. That's my goal. Yeah, wait. Whatever you quote, you vote. But that'll wrap, right. that'll wrap up this week. Uh, let's hope for a good week for the Bruins. And go Bruins. Go Bruins.